Welcome to Mong Man Talk. I'm your host, Shisa Moore. On episode 34, we have a guest. That's Dan Yang at 27. He is a proud alumni of Columbia College in Chicago, getting majoring in cinema science, graduating with cum laude's honors. He also has close ties with Hmong filmmaking community. Dan has been on the community board of Kedaneng Film Festival for the better parts of six years. He has helped teach young students the basics of filmmaking and aiding the advancements of Hmong films. Dan is also one of the producer director for the Hmong anthology film Spirits Dawn. When he launched a successful Kickstarter campaign and toured the five film to five different states as well as raising over $1,000 for multiple educational programs. Dan is also a proud recipient of the Culture Star Grant Program where he produced a film called Rice Street in 2020. But first, let's thank our sponsors and let's get right back into it. Today's sponsor is brought to you by She Sells Menwear. Are you looking for the latest trendy men's fashion? Look no further. She Sells Menswear carries handcrafted bow ties, ties, suit accessories, and everyday streetwear. They're your one-stop, mall-inspired men's shop. You can search them online at www.xixomenswear.com. Now let's get back to the show. We are super excited. It is a beautiful day here. Dan, how's it going, man? It's going well. Thanks for having me, man. You are a young filmmaker because I just had an episode of a slightly older mall man, Kang Bang. You know this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kang and I are working on a project together right now, too. Awesome. I decided yeah. to pick you because you have much wanted a younger uh, view and younger vision. We met at like a, a photo shoot club and party bus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird because we had guys from all different walks of life on that bus. So it was, it was cool to see the diversity that Hmong men have kind of come across now. I want to see more of this. I want to see what you're going to come up with too. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the future is good and uh, things keep rolling my way. So we'll see. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you founded Cross Dish Media, right? Yes. Yep. About uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was f- uh founded maybe a year and a half ago, almost two years now. Can you tell me about your vision about it? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I have two productions. Um, one of them is called WNC and the other one's called Cross Stitch. So WNC is kind of where my passion projects live. Um, those are projects that I do for no profit. And I, I don't see any project or any profit from those films. And those are just passion projects. Those are films that um, I cannot go to sleep if I don't make. And so that's kind of where those passion projects uh, live. Um, and then cross stitch is kind of my business page. I, that's where I do a lot of my commercial works. Uh, most of that stuff is simply for commercial or for profit. So that's where, um, cross stitch media kind of came about. Um, I didn't want to put the two together because like I said, one of them is a page for my passion where, where it's nothing but my love for, for film. And another one is simply um to make money <laughs> and so i i wanted to to separate the two let's take you way back when you were a kid was a camcorder the first thing you picked up and decided to do that uh you know it's funny because my parents actually didn't even own a camcorder up until oh man maybe like 2006 
And so it used to be this mini DV camera. And so um, we didn't we didn't own one when we were younger. So we don't have any footage of us when we were kids. My parents, we don't we have pictures, you know, because but video cameras were very expensive back then. And, and my parents, we were fairly poor when we were young. So we didn't own a, a, a camcorder or even a camera until maybe the early 2000s. So uh, it's kind of sad because, like I said, we don't have any footage of us being as kids and stuff, but that's okay. Um, that's kind of where the love got started, and um, yeah. So that pretty much inspired you, that that wanting to record and wanting to record maybe your mom and dad, record yourself maybe making funny YouTube or maybe TikTok videos. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure, man. Um, it, it's weird because uh, in, in elementary and in middle school, I was always involved in kind of like the arts. I, I was in multiple like school plays and it was fun, um, you know, and this is when, you know, YouTube was kind of just starting. Um, I remember, you know, people used to post like cat videos and stuff on YouTube back in the day, you know, it was really, really early on. So YouTube wasn't even on my mind and we didn't even have fast internet back then either. So, uh, to even upload, um, you know, a, a video on a YouTube with dial up would be impossible, but 56 K or die. Yeah. Yeah. So that wouldn't even have been possible, but yeah, no, um, that was definitely, um, a, a big inspiration is, is to, to capture moments. You went to college down in uh, Chicago for, and I uh, went to Columbia college and mm -hmm. then graduated from there. Yeah. You know, you're, that was probably early twenties. You started with spare Don, like kind of a few years later, right? That's what I've heard. I didn't hear of you, but that's where I heard of spirits Don. And yeah. I was like, man, this sounds like a really cool well, movie. I didn't even know who was behind it. And you were one of the producers and directors for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you know, Columbia, I went to, I actually started school here in, in Minnesota. I went to Metropolitan State for about a semester. Um, I originally went to school to be a econ major. And after the semester, I was like, oh man, I can't do this anymore. Cause I was working part-time as an artist already. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'm already doing this part-time. I'm going to school for econ. I don't really know if I, you know, econ is where I want to live for the rest of my life. You know? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, like the say, saying goes, you only live once. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And so I transferred to Columbia and I, I graduated from there. I think it was probably one of, besides the student debt, <laughs> it's probably one of the better decisions that I've made in my life. Um, and then, so I graduated from there and then Spirits Dawn, you know, in, in college, that's kind of where the idea started me and, and two of my friends, Tong. Tong Lee and, and Zhang Lor, uh, we talked about it in college and, and we're all film guys. So we talked about it in college. We were actually going to do it while we were in college. But, you know, when you're in college, you're, you're, you're poor. You don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of money. And so we're like, we're going to hold off on it. And so when we finished school, uh, we, we all kind of finished around the same time. So when we finished around the same time, we're like, you know, I think this is kind of, you know, the time to do it. You know, we've waited long enough. And so, you know, it was like a year long project and it, it was great. I, I think it was successful for what it was. It was really successful and I'm, I'm really proud of it. It turned out pretty good, man. Pretty dope. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for those who haven't catch it, you, hey, it's next time. Everybody's being quarantined. Catch it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've been, you seem like a lot of the things you're involved in is, is mom filmmaking. And yeah. again, like there's Kidanang Film Festival, right? That you've been a part of like six years. And again, Spirits of Dawn, mm -hmm. do you do anything besides not in the mom community? You know, that is, 
I've done maybe three films that did not star at least one Hmong person. So out of my 21 films that I've made, only three of them have been um, predominantly, you know, another ethnicity. So I don't do a whole lot. Um, I feel like there's a lot of material that is already about someone else, but there's not enough material about Hmong people. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of Hmong artists will say the same thing. You know, there's plenty of you know, Caucasian directors, plenty of African-American directors, plenty of Chinese directors, whatever you may say, but there's not a lot of um, Hmong directors who make Hmong films. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the driving factors of like why I want to keep labeling myself as like a Hmong director, you know, so. Dude, I love it. Keep that up, man. Let's head back into the Hmong community, how did you want to be a still? Uh, did you want it to be a storyteller for the Hmong community? Um, you know that's hard because one thing is I know that from a monetary standpoint that you can't survive just off of the Hmong community. I I know um, you know if if you're trying to make a movie and you're trying to make money on it, it's really hard for you to make a monetary gain or make it even sustainable if you just aim for Hmong people. Um, and so the thing is, how do you make a, a film that's true to Hmong people, but also is interesting to someone who's not Hmong, right? And so that's kind of where the, the million dollar question is, right? And so that's kind of what I've been trying to figure out of like, hey, how do I tell a story that is like true to my roots? How do I tell a story that's, that's true to Hmong people? but at the same time, not sell out, you know? And so um, I do want to be a storyteller for Hmong people, but at the same time, I want to be an educator for people who are not Hmong so that they can get like an insight of like who Hmong people are. And so when they watch Hmong films, they're like, hey, you know, like I didn't know Hmong people were like that or, hey, that's pretty cool, you know? Um, Because ultimately you're kind of like an ambassador for Hmong people. Um, Because if for someone who doesn't know who Hmong people are, if they watch your film, that's the first impression they're going to get of you is, is that film. So you know, you're, you're kind of an ambassador for Hmong people. And so the message that you're spreading and the story that you're telling is, is ultimately really important. You know, I'm going to give a little sneak peek for the next recording. I just recorded Elvis Tao. And, you, <laughs> and that's referring to what you're talking about. We, Hmong people are known for Gran Torino. Mm-hmm. A bunch of thugs and, you know, it's just like yeah. off the reflection. But I love that you express that in what you do in your passion of your filming to show the Hmong people, but, but you're right. You are like the, let's say Hmong brand ambassador for mm. our ethnicity. And I love that. Yeah. I, I'll even say, you know, when I went to, when I went to film school, um, no one knew I was Hmong. And then Gran Torino at the time was really popular and, and everyone knew who Hmong people were through Gran Torino. And so we had uh, a class discussion one day and people were just talking about how, how Hmong people were like this, were like this, were like this. And and at the time, you know, in Chicago, there's rarely any Hmong people who live there. And I was just sitting in class, just listening to people. And, and it really opened my eyes of like how powerful media is. So in that class, it was predominantly Caucasians. And everyone had this idea of who Hmong people were already before they even had met a Hmong person in real life. And so it's like, you know, film is really important. You know, the, the outreach and the message and the power that it has, the power to influence people is huge. And people don't really put much thought into that until, you know, they're put in that situation where they're in a room with a bunch of white people and they're like, Oh, most people are like this. And, and I ask them, well, how do you know? And they're like, well, I saw it in Gran Torino. So it's like, Oh man, 
um, media has a, has a really, really big influence on life. So, You mentioned the money and the mong. You wanted to combine both, you know, with your nonprofit and, again, with um, cross-stitch. But it's like, how can you create both and still make money? In that case, then, dude, why don't you go just fast-paced Hollywood mm-hmm. and make some money? Yeah. Why yeah, didn't so, you do that? So the hard thing is, and, and what I've noticed within the last couple of years, it, it's beginning to change. Just within you know, the last, I would say, four years, um, I've noticed that the, the trend in Hollywood is trending towards my, minorities now, just starting, right? At first, it was a battle of like, hey, um, there's not enough female filmmakers. And then, you know, they slowly kind of got over that hump of like, hey, well, now there's this new wave of really talented female directors. Okay, well, well, what about the minorities now? And then so now you have people like Key and Peele, you have films like Crazy Rich Asians, you have Mulan, you have, you know, Black Panther, you have all these films that are just starting to make money, right? And so uh, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, Hollywood didn't just wake up one day and say, we want to make a movie about Asian people. They realize that, hey, if we make a movie about Asian people, we're gonna make a lot of money. And so they, that's why they started making these films. And, and I think that if, if, if um, you know, if the market keeps going that way, it's gonna be easier and easier for us to, to, you know, kind of chip away at that wall. I think, like I said, a couple of years ago, it was really hard because if you're an Asian person, you know, without a large, substantial body of work and without a large following it's going to be really hard for you to get in through that door and you know there's 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 cases of people making it in you know you have people like um uh, ang lee you have people who like zangi mu you have people but these people have millions and millions of followers you know they've made such a a large body of work that it's 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 not easy but it's they are they're already you know like 10 steps ahead so for me I would say that's that's not um, a goal that has died yet. I, I would love to do it, um, but I, I also know that I need to make a large body of work, a, a large body of substantial work, you know, work that is is good, in order to to even get to that place. So I I I, I have realized that I have to take at least a couple more steps before I get there. That's great. I am looking forward to it. So, what is harder, getting started or being able to keep going? Oh, I would say keep going. I would say keep going for sure. Um, you know, in 2016, after I graduated college, I was kind of at the point where it's like, okay, well, I have this fancy degree, but I don't have a job. <laughs> it's hard to get a job when you went on your on your resume when they asked you, like, what did you go to school for? And you write director. You know, it's hard to it's hard to get a job like that. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, it's hard to get a stable job. And then it's hard to actually make money off the films that you're doing. So at that point, it's like, so, well, what, how do you even survive? You know, how do you take care of those basic necessities um, in your life? And so um, it it was hard. It was hard to keep going because at that point, it's just like, well, you know, I could just take up another job somewhere and, and live a nine to five and just do that for the rest of my life and just forget about film. And so it's easy for you to give up. Um, it's easy for you to just stop. Uh, it's easy to start, you know. Uh, you could just pick up a camera today and just go start recording and then, you know, you'll, you would have started already, but um, to keep going is, is, is definitely, definitely the hardest part. 
how much do you think commerce affects your art or how much do you have to compromise as a filmmaker because of financial restriction or business? Oh, immensely. I would say that film, um, it's probably like 50% making it and then 50, 50% marketing it because, you know, I'll use Spirits Dawn, for example. Um, you know, that, that film, when we made it, um, one of the reasons, like I said, we didn't make it in, in college is because we, we had this like rough budget. We we're like, okay, well, how much is it going to take for us to even make this film? And then we had that dollar amount and we were like, oh man, <laughs> this is impossible. You know, for three college kids, like how are we going to come up with this money? Uh, you know, like let alone, you know, if we put all this money into it and then this film doesn't make any money and it's like, dang, you know, like we're, we're, we're out X amount of dollars, you know? And so uh, it affects it a lot. And, and, you know, even after we made the film, it was kind of, we were still like scratching our heads of like, Hey, can we actually even make any money on this? And because if we don't make any money, everyone's going to say, Hey, well, that was a flop. You know, our investors, we had uh, about five um, sponsors for spirits Dawn, And so if, if, we, if that movie would have flopped, they would have lost all confidence in us, you know, in, in the future, if we, if we would have went back to them and say, Hey, can we um, have the X amount of dollars to fund my next film? They would have been like, Hey, well, you know, spirits down was a flop. You know, you guys lost money. How, why would I entrust you with this next amount of dollars? You know? So, Oh, commerce and, and, and money affects it immensely in, in a way it's, it is a tangible object of like dollars, but it's also an intang intangible object of like trust, uh, confidence in your investors that also shows people that, Hey, you know, we're serious artists and the stuff we do, we take it seriously. Uh, we're not just playing around. We're not just making a movie on our phone and putting it up on Instagram or something like that. Like we're, we're serious professionals and, and we, we take our work very professionally, you know? And so it, that's a sign. If you can't make money and you, you can't bring any revenue back, people aren't going to take you seriously. So what is the one mistake most filmmaker makes regardless of experience? Oh, um, this one, I make it quite a bit, but it's definitely, um, the mismanagement of time, um, with film it, it, time is like your best friend and your worst enemy. Um, if you plan your time out, accordingly you know you could have your schedule you can have your if you're filming one day and, and you have your schedule filmed filled out to the second you're still gonna mess up there's still gonna not gonna be enough time if it, you know you can do all the pre-production work like hey i have every single shot planned out i have every single minute planned out and then once you get on set it rains or someone forgot their costume or someone's running late it just throws everything to the wayside and it, you have to be meticulous meticulous you gotta be i would even say you gotta be anal about it you know in a way because if you're not it's gonna at you know we live in an age where when we film we're just filming on memory cards you know but back in the day when people used to film on actual film if they roll the camera you're that's burning dollars you know for 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 our time now if i if i roll the camera and someone's not here we're, we're burning dollars you know we're, we're burning dollars and we're burning time though that, that you're, you it's gone you can't get it back so uh, regardless of experience, I think the management of time is probably the biggest, it's, it's the hardest thing to learn. And it's the hardest thing to master. I don't even think anyone has mastered it. So why do you think they're so, you know, you mentioned this earlier, Hmong women and filming. Why do you think there are so few Hmong women in filming? Cause there's like Portia, MK, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And those are the two I know, unless you know more, but why is so? Yeah, um, I, I can't say, um, I don't want to speak for them and, and, and talk about their views as, as like women as to like why they think that there might not be a lot of them. But as a, as a man, I, I could say that, I would say that our industry right now, it's, it's a tight knit group of, of men. You know, it's, it's odd to say that, but if you look at all the older filmmakers, you look at many of the younger filmmakers and you look at people my age, we're predominantly men and, and it's, we're kind of like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to call us a clique, but it's, you know, where we're all this bunched up group together and it's hard for women to kind of break in because we haven't fully like exposed ourselves and, and, and be as welcoming as, you know, I would like us to be. And so that also, and the fact that it's, it's harder for women to um, step out of the house and, and do something that works in the entertainment industry. Um, I've know, I know a lot of like actors who only act until they're married and they're like, okay, well, I can't act anymore because I'm married. My husband won't let me. Or I even know people who have boyfriends. They're like, I can't do that anymore because I have a boyfriend now and, it, and people are going to look down on me. So we still have this like cultural stigma that, hey, you know, that's not right. You can't do that. And so there's that cultural stigma that still exists. Um, and then I want to also say, like I said, there's that barrier of, of the guys who are just not as welcoming um, as I would like us to be. So I remember Dua saying like, he even himself, he want to see more among women going mainstream. And oh, for sure. you know, he said that just like, for example, like himself, among man, right. Going mainstream and getting to Milan and same thing with among women getting mainstream and acting now, even into, you know, filmmaking too as well. Mm-hmm. And we both love to see that. I love to see that. And just a little bit off topic, but we have like news reporters like Jia Vang and such too, mm-hmm. you know, that's been into that kind of media field. Now, how oh, do you yeah. know when your story is, is finished and when to walk away? Oh, that's hard. Um, I don't really know. Um, I would say that for me, um, for, for, for Spirits Don, the film that I did, I wasn't I wasn't completely happy with it. I mean, there, there were things and I, you, you could ask any artist, and they, they'll probably feel the same way, but I feel like I wasn't completely happy with it. I would say I'm, I was probably like 80% satisfied with it. I, I think there was a lot of things I could do to make it better. But at the same time, um, I would, I just thought to myself of like, Hey, you know, at this moment in time, this is all I could have to offer. This is all I could have done um, with the resources that I had with the time that I had, like, this is all I could have done. Um, you know, five years from now, if I come back and look at it, I'll, I'll be smarter. I'll be wiser. I I could completely change it. And so for me, it's like, did I give my all at that time? And if I, if I did, then I'm satisfied to walk away with it. You know, if there are, there's, there's been projects where I'll half ass and I'm like, ah, whatever, you know, and then just walk away because I didn't really care about it. But (laughs) there's projects where it's like, oh man, I've, I've given it everything I could have given it like 110%. And this was the result. So it's like, I think this is all I had to give it. And I wasn't satisfied with it, but what else could I have done? Right. And so that's kind of when I know I should probably walk away from it because you'll go crazy trying to perfect something. We all hear so often about the lack of original stories in the world that we like said, Oh man, we've seen it before, dude. How do you stay fresh in the face of an idea like that? Mm-hmm. So this is hard because 
you know, there's so many films made every single year now. It's crazy. You can't even count them all. And so it, I would say that every film at this point has a little bit of something, someone else's film in there. Um, it's a given, whether it be like the characters or it be like the plot lines or whatever it may be, right? And so for me, the, the only difference I have, let's say to my Caucasian counterpart is that I'm Hmong. That's the only difference I have. You know, if I were to compare myself to someone of relative skill set to me, to someone of age, the same as me, someone who was brought up the same as me, the only difference I have between that Caucasian person is that I'm Hmong. That's it. You know, and so that's the only way that I could put my little spin on it or a little twist on it. Um, I would also say that really the films that I like are films that are, are an evolution of an idea. Um, I, I don't really like films that are trying to be to trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, I like films that are, are an evolution of, of simple ideas and, and, and simple concepts, but just evolved to like a certain complexity that is like mind blowing, right? And like uh, Get Out is like one of my favorite films, right? It's, it's such a simple idea. It's just like racism between white people and black people. If you break it down, that's all it is. It's just, it's a film, it's a, uh, it's a commentary on racism, but it's just evolved to be like, horror and thriller it's it's just an idea that's packed on packed on some other stuff and it's just evolved into something else and so like those are the type of films i like i don't really you know I'm, i don't want to reinvent the wheel i i think that when you throw something so completely different at the audience they just like scratch their head and they're just like what did i just watch <laughs> you know and so they're just confused and i don't i don't like leaving my audience members confused i, I want them to walk away with like a sense of like fulfillment, like, Hey, like that was a great film. And like, they'll walk away from it. And so, um, that, that's kind of what I would say is I like films that are just an evolution. Have you seen uh, parasite? Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. What's your take on that? Oh, Oh man. I, you know, at first, um, I didn't know too much about it. I, I love Bong Joon-ho though. I've seen all of his films and I, in all of his films, it's always a it's always a commentary on like Korean life. Cause that's who he is. He, he wants his films to be very, very, very Korean. And so I didn't read, uh, I read the synopsis, but I didn't read any spoilers. And then when I watched it, I was like, man, this is great. And then, so when I, I went back and did some research on it and, you know, in Korea, there's this whole like um, class segregation of like, Hey, we're rich Koreans. You guys are poor Koreans. We don't live in the same world. Yeah. We're Koreans, but we're different from you, you know, and there's this whole class segregation and, and it's, it runs really deep in Korea. And so when I read that, I was like, wow, you know, like his film was so simple. It's just about money. You know, it's like, you're poor, I'm rich, but he evolved it. He, he threw in the basement. He threw in these people who were trying to be like imposters. And, and like I said, it's just an evolution of a very simple idea of, of class segregation. You know, he just kept evolving the idea and, and, and took it to a whole nother level. His style of film and 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 such kind of kind of makes me look into your mind the way you want to make your film into the Hmong and portraying it. And yeah, gonna, yeah. Elaborate on that. Like, what and what motivates and inspire you to tell a story like that? You know, I I would say that um, in the beginning of my career, I was kind of experimenting. You know, I wanted to do like horror, I wanted to do like action, and then I did a couple of those, and then I just was not just, I would just was not satisfied. Um, I, I realized that, you know, like, I'm not really like a horror film guy. I don't really 
I don't, I personally don't watch a lot of action films. And so I was like, you know what? I don't even watch a lot of action films. I don't even know why I'm trying to make an action film. You know, like that's just not who I am. I'm more of, I like films like thrillers and dramas. So personally, that's what I like to watch. And so those are, and I believe that those stories are the ones that stick closest to us as individuals. Um, For me, when I watch an action movie, it's like, yo, I can't do any of that stuff. Like, I can't relate to that character. You know, like that's, I don't see myself in his shoes. Like it's cool, but I, I just don't see myself like that. It's, it's when you watch dramas about, you know, um, a middle-class Asian kid who lives in the suburbs that I relate to and, and his, his struggles growing up, going through racism, going through uh, poverty, um, not having his father there. Like those stories are the, the stories that like really touch my heart because like, those are, those are my stories, you know, and those are the stories that, not a lot of people talk about. And those are also the stories that um, kind of really tug at your heartstrings. And those are the stories that you remember, you know, because I've watched, you know, X amount of action movies. I don't remember it, half of them, you know, but the movies that, you know, made me really sad or made me really happy. It's like, you know, those are the ones you remember. So With that's kind that of being said, name three of them. Uh, action movies that inspires you, like why it touches your heart. Oh man. It doesn't so, matter what genre. It doesn't matter. Okay. So the last one I watched was um, called Gook. Um, that one was really good. Farewell was another one that was really good. And then uh, Miss Purple was another one that I just watched. So those are all films that have to deal with um, a young Asian American, young, young adult, basically. And they're all going through struggles um, that are very personal that are intertwined into like Asian culture, you know? And so like, that's what I can relate to. And uh, those films are stuff that I, I, I really enjoy. Cause I'm going to follow up with that name three filmmaker that, you know, that, that you like their style that inspires you. doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh huh. So Miss cool. um, Purple and Gook was directed by Jason Cho. Um, he's really good. Um, I, I love his stuff. Uh, the next one is my favorite director of all time is called Akira Kurosawa. Um, so I love his work. Um, and I would say um, David, David Finch. David Fincher is my next one. That He's, he's an American guy. He's really good too. Yeah. Mm. Interesting pick of those. It really yeah. does inspire you, huh? Does it? Yeah. And, and like I said, those guys all make, you know, dramas and thrillers and psychological films and stuff. And that's, that's the kind of type of stuff I like. So. Okay. Okay. Now it's moving on into shooting and stuff. Like, what do you love? What do you love about directing? Oh man. Um, you know, I used to hate directing actually. Cause I, I don't, um, when I first started, I actually just wanted to like write, you know, like I, I, I wanted to write, I, I wanted to be like a screenwriter and I didn't really like directing because, um, I'm not a really demanding person. You know, I, I, I'm, I like to talk a lot, but I'm not a very demanding person, you know? And so it, it requires you to be like, you, it, you have to have a certain type of um, mindset to be like a director, you know? And so I hate, I didn't really like directing. And, but as, as I kept writing more and um, gave my script to other people to read, it's just like, there was always like this disconnect. Like they couldn't, get across the idea of my stories I'm trying to write, you know? And so it's like, well, you know, the only way 
you know, someone can interpret my stories that I wrote is if I just direct it, you know, because uh, I wrote it, I know what I want each character to be feeling, or I know what direction I want the story to go in. So that's kind of what really drove me to directing. Now, as far as like what I really like about it, I would say that it's, it's what I like about it the most is when you cast someone to play a character and you rehearse and rehearse and, and you do all this stuff and you see them grow like every single day until the day you get on set and they just deliver that perfect performance. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to say it's like raising a child, but it's like, it's like you hold their hand from the very first time you met them and you, you go through hours and hours and hours of rehearsal and you watch them change, like slowly, slowly change. And then they deliver the perfect performance. Like that's, that's the one, you know? And so that's, that's, it's really satisfying. Sweet. Yeah. Didn't know that you like screenwriting more than you like directing. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk into the Hmong community. How can you help the younger Hmong community into becoming a filmmaker? Yeah. So um, I actually get a, gave a talk at H and D last year about this, and it was about the importance of Hmong film and why it's important to keep making Hmong films. And the topic, the, the two points that I brought up was one, it has a cultural and communal effect. And second is that, that it does have a huge economic effect as well. So the first point at that presentation I, I brought up was that, um, and the, the example I used was in Iran, um, there's this whole idea of, of if your daughter shames you, you have the right to kill her, basically. And so um, there's this film, um, it's, on, it's on HBO. So if anyone who's listening to this and has an HBO <laughs> uh, account, go watch it. But um, it's called Girl by the River. And so um, the, the film is about a, a, a young lady who marries the man that she loves, but her, her father doesn't allow that. So her father basically takes her to the river and, and shoots her in the face. And so HBO um, made this documentary. And ever since this documentary came out iran saw it and they completely banned it at first it was fine you could do it and it's like it, it's just one of those non-spoken rules so it's like hey it's fine you can do it but once hbo made this documentary iran was like no more you cannot do this anymore if you do this you're gonna get arrested you're gonna be thrown in jail and so the reason why i use that as an example is you know it has a film has a profound cultural impact it could change the way and i, I would say i don't want to make this sound bad but most people are still behind in terms of like cultural acceptance um and so the only way we can advance that is to make art about it whether it be pictures plays books music films right and so i want to keep telling people to be artists um keep making things that will advance us further you know and so we always have this issue of like uh, or marrying young girls or, or the gang life. We have all these things that we don't talk about, right? And it's like, well, we don't talk about it in everyday life, but we can talk about it in films. We can talk about it in pictures. We can talk about it in music. And so use this as like a platform to really advance uh, Hmong culture or, or Hmong people, right? And so that's the first point that I wanted to make or the first point that I made at my presentation on H&D. The second point was economics. And so... Um, it is possible to make money. Um, and a lot of people, it's, it's hard. Um, but in the presentation, I documented how our one film, we toured five cities 
and we were able to generate money for students at schools. We were able to generate money for the city that we were in. If we're showing in, we were able to generate money for the theater that we showed it in. So it's like, you know, we, we, we are able to make an economic impact. And so our sponsors made money and it's like, it's, it's like a ripple effect. You know, if, if we're successful, it ripples out. Our actors got paid. Um, our producers got paid, our artists got paid, our investors got paid, the theater got paid. So it's like, it's like a ripple effect. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and it, everyone is, uh, uh, reaps the rewards from it. And so that's why I wanted, I made those two points. It's like, it's, it's really important. It's not impossible. You know, these two things are probably the most important. And so if, if you just keep going with it, it's, it's completely possible. And so I know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make films for the rest of my life, you know, I would like to, but it probably, who knows, right? But I, I just want to uh, advocate and say that um, younger individuals should really think about being an artist and, and a filmmaker too at that. Sweet, man. Those are two really solid two points. With those two points said, what is your philosophy in life that influenced your creative work? Oh, I want to... Um, uh, so Kang and I give you a little bit of context too. So Kang and I were working on this film called the rice street right now. And so, um, this film re really is like challenging, like the status quo of like Hmong culture. Right. And so like, that's kind of like my philosophy. Now I, I I've kind of hit this point in my life where it's like, Hey, I, I don't want to make stuff that is like safe. Right. I, I don't want to make stuff that is, um, not talked about. I, I want to make stuff and I want to start the dialogue and I want to make, films that challenge like the status quo of of what is like acceptable right trying to evolve that that uh genre of like drama right and so that's kind of that's kind of what's driving me right now is like trying to make um films that are really engaging and, and really challenging so um to give you a context about the film it's it's about three three teenagers um one of them is is a young Hmong man who's actually in the in the phases of, of discovering his sexuality, right? So he's kind of curious. He doesn't really know who he is at this moment in time in accordance to his sexuality. The, the second character is, is about a teenager who is kind of falling into the, the gang life. He, he is being dragged down this you know, spiral of violence. And then the third one is about a young 14-year-old male-ordered bride. You know, she's, she's a male-ordered bride from Thailand and, and she's here to marry this super old guy. So it's like... Um, I want to make films like this because I, I, I think that it's important to talk about these three topics. You know, uh, these three topics are, you know, it's there, but people don't really talk about it. So I, like I, to, I yeah. love it. I love it. You are definitely doing the status quo, man, and really challenging it to seeing it on TV and really seeing because people are not conscious to really see it on TVs. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's that's really happening. Like, yeah, it's really happening. But thanks to you and Kang, what was that song called? The Rice Street? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what our film's called, Rice Street. I'm excited for this. Any, like, teaser when it may come out? No. Uh, okay. We're hoping it will be done by May. So here in a couple months, probably. Be sure to send you an invite when we show it, man. Oh, for sure. I will be the first guy in line to see that. We're going to work on wrapping up. I'm going to ask, like, two, three more questions. Uh... This one's going to be, what, what makes you a Hmong man? There's no right or wrong answer to this. Oh, man. 
Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I actually um, had a conversation about this a while back, too. And um, this is with one of my older cousins. And he was like, you know what? You know, if you want to be a Hmong man, you have to, like, you know, you have to know cultures and rituals and stuff like that. It's like, oh, man, you know, but for me, it's so hard because it's like, well, I don't know those things. So does that make me any less of a man than you are, you know? And so it's it's a debate that's probably going to be had for, you know, years and years and years. And like I said, there's no right or wrong. Um, but for me personally, I, I would say what makes me a Hmong man is um, my mission in, in life right now is to tell Hmong stories and advocate for Hmong people through my passion, which is film. And so I'm going to stick to my guns and, and like, that's, that's what I'm going to attempt to do for, you know, however many years I can do this for. And so I, I think that what makes me a man in general is sticking to my guns and just going forward and like not taking no for an answer and treading the waters, no matter how deep it gets. And then delivering the message about Hmong people or like spreading awareness about Hmong people or, or telling Hmong stories. So I would say that's what makes me in, in my definition, a, a Hmong man. That almost leads to my next question, and it could be the same, or you could add on to this. Give the audience advice, like the 17-year-old Dan, right? The younger generations mm-hmm. that wants to be, you know, a film producer, a film director oh, in that yeah. industry. Uh, um, I would say that if I was looking back now, I would say that um, at the time when I was young, I thought film school was like necessary. I would say now that film school is not necessary. By no means is it necessary. If you want to, if you want to do something bad enough, you will find a way, regardless of if you can afford school or not, right? And so I, I would say that film school is not a necessity. Don't let that stop you. If you don't have the money or if you don't have the time or if you don't have the resources to go to school for full-time to be a filmmaker, don't let that stop you. Um, there's plenty of resources out in the world who will help you for free and so I would say don't let that stop you Uh, in addition to that is once you find um, your niche uh, once you find your voice don't let anyone else like tell you no for example you know once once I you know really discovered that hey these are the type of films I wanted to make I know they're going to be controversial I know they're going to be um, challenging the norm, uh, I, I did get a lot of backlash about that, where it's like, wh- why are you talking about these things? Or like, why, why are you making us look bad? It's like, that's not my intention. My intention is not to make Hmong people look bad, but this is my voice as an artist. And, and I, I believe I have the right, at least, <laughs> to tell that, to tell my, my story with my voice. And so I would say, like I said, don't let film school or, or the lack of education stop you. Um, and don't let people hinder your voice thank you for the wise word man and the last where can we follow you dan on tiktok make some funny videos or what (laughs) please give us your funny all your social media outlet and website etc uh so for business inquiries you guys can find me at cross stitch media that's um on facebook or if you want to email me it's dan.yang at cross stitch media at gmail.com um Next is on Facebook. It's just Dan Ya, Y-A-J. Um, and if you want to follow my short films, if you want to get updates on Rice Street and any of my personal projects, that's called WNC Productions on Facebook. So um, 
that's a whole lot of stuff. But you guys can find me there, and I'm always open to helping people out. And I, I also put a shameless plug in that um, I'm also an in-progress Nexus teacher, so I also teach uh, film production. And so if you want to learn how to film, like I said, don't let it stop you. This is a free course. At, it's called In-Progress Studios. If you ever want to learn art, come out to us completely free. So check us out, guys. We are very, very appreciative of your time, Dan. Thank you so much, man. Cool. Thank you for having me, man. That ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our official website at www.mongmentot.com or like, like and share us on Facebook at Mongmentot. Who also believes in building family values. She believes not only in investing in your future, but also investing in your present moment. Creating time and memories with your family. If you have any insurance needs or any questions, please don't hesitate to call her at the link below. Also, a special thanks to DJ Peter for using his beats. You can check him out at YouTube.